There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Nate, last night at midnight, the bat signal shined high in the sky. The city needs us. What's the emergency? Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. Oh my gosh. To the Popmobile. Welcome to Switched On Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. It's not every day that I drop everything to record a last-minute episode with you. But this is special. Yeah. It's the first time we're recording in person through a window. Hey, buddy. It's really nice to see you. You too. But we're also here together because in our second episode, we made a prediction about Taylor Swift's career that has finally come true. Like many of the great composers, we can already see that Taylor's work falls into a early, middle, late period. The early is the immature, somewhat derivative, but still showing sparks of genius. The middle is the transitionary stage. She's introducing new kinds of material, new genres. And then the late period is traditionally the experimental and avant-garde phase of a musician's career. The hint of what's to come. So we're not there. We're not there yet. But I'm very excited to hear Taylor Swift's late phase. That's right. With this new album release, Folklore, I think we can say that Taylor Swift has stepped into the late period of her career. She wrote and recorded Folklore in isolation and released it without any warning. And I think perhaps that solitude led her to step into a new phase of artistry. Hmm. Folklore combines the country songwriting of her early period with the pop hooks of her middle period, but with a new sound and set of subjects. She's put behind the celebrity scandals of her past and puts the songwriting First, Hmm. she tells us that folklore is meant to blur between fantasy and reality. It's one that we get to interpret. And so today we'll break down that sound, see how she stayed the same, but most importantly, see how she's changed, how she's confidently stepped into this role of master songwriter. I think a great song that highlights the beginning of her late period is the opening track, The One. But we were something, don't you think so? Roaring twenties, tossing pennies in the pool And if my wishes came true It would have been you In my defense I have none For never leaving well enough alone But it would have been fun If you would have been the one Mm. It's like sparse and lush at the same time these kind of wistful but knowing lyrics. This is a cool side of Swift. There's some really great turns of phrase here. Roaring 20s, tossing pennies in the pool. Mm. It's like a wonderful reference to the jazz age, but also she's 30 now, moving out of her 20s. Whoa. Nice little (laughs) dual meaning. Mind blown. Good stuff. And I love that line, in my defense, I have none. Mm. 
it's intimate, and yet there's none of that typical sort of autobiographical Easter eggy stuff. I think so much of the narrative of Swift over the last many years has been her constant reinvention, who she dating, all this and that. Right. And folklore is not about that. Mm. I think this is an album that shows her stepping into her strength mm. as a songwriter. Yeah. And while there are plenty of people who are going to dig for clues about what's going on in her personal life from these songs, as stands are wont to do, sure, we're not going to do that. We're going to dig into the music. In fact, she invites us to. She says that a tale that becomes folklore is one that is passed down and whispered around. I've told these stories to the best of my ability with all the love, wonder, and whimsy they deserve. And now it's up to you to pass them down. Right? Let's take her up on it. Where do we uh, begin here? Well, as I said that she's constantly had to reinvent herself, album by album. Yeah. Something that the pop machine demands. Here, in many ways, we have a sound that both goes back to her roots and evolves it. And I want to start with the sound of this record before we understand exactly what it means and what she's saying. I was kind of expecting after her record reputation, which took a much darker turn, that yeah. we would eventually get some singer songwriting stuff. Maybe we would get another country album. And it seems like, well, on folklore, both the name, folk, and some of the sounds are pointing towards those roots. Here's her song, Betty, for example. Betty, I won't make assumptions about why you switched your homeroom, but I think it's because of me. Finger-picked acoustic guitar and a plaintiff harmonica. Yeah, this is like some some good old folk music. Except it's not quite folk. Like, that's in there. I think this is kind of more in the, like, subdued, melancholy pop world that draws mm. from a lot of acoustic material. If we go back to the first song we listened to, The One, and you just listen to the opening and the timbres that we're hearing, it's clearly not just country. Got these lovely light pianos. Yeah. There's acoustic guitars, but also electronic drum programming. I'm doing good, I'm on some new shit. Interesting textures to layer on top of each other. And then her vocal drops and it's like very contemporary. Mm. I'm on some new shit. You know, that's not a mm. it's not a that's not a country line. Yeah, there's a lot of curses on here that are the first that she's ever put. There's a lot of F word that what? she had never done before in a record. Damn. This sort of melancholy thing, it's happening in pop. I think you could point to Billie Eilish and Phineas and Lana sure. Del Rey. Yeah. But there's also in here there's older references too, like Sarah McLaughlin and Natalie Merchant. Like mm. there's all kinds of things we could point to, but I think she's all in many ways making her own sort of sound. It's really delicate. I want to highlight some of the timbres that really drew me into this record. There's this gorgeous subtlety in the way that this record is orchestrated. One of my favorite moments is in the song Illicit Affairs. That was lovely. It's almost like cinematic. What was happening there? Well, we had these really 
light saxophones. Oh, wait, really? Yeah, there's actually in the liner notes accordion. And at the end, some kind of maybe like slide guitar. What? But each of them are played in this sort of really quiet, delicate texture. It feels like you can almost hear the reed of the saxophone. It's very mm. breathy. Yeah, there's an intimacy here. You feel like you're in the room with all these sounds and they're sort of enveloping you. And I think the lyrics that we'll get to later speak to that exact same quality. Mm. There's some other really beautiful arrangements. The opening of the song, My Tears Ricochet, stands out. Mm, This wordless vocal with a ton of reverb sounds like it was recorded almost in a cathedral or something. It makes me think of like... 15th century renaissance polyphony or something (laughs) that is our jam but we move from that intimate to some big orchestration in the song august And finally, there's some really beautiful washed out moments where all of these sounds sort of recede into an endless echo. You can hear that on Epiphany. That sounds like an orchestra slowly being lowered underwater. (laughs) It kind of does. All these are very film-like. They're cinematic. Mm -hmm. And this arrangement sets an entire mood for the record. In fact, the record is incredibly consistent. Yeah. It has a range of tempos, for sure, a range of instrumentation. Mm -hmm. But the mood has a melancholy anticipation, a reflective quality to it. This is a lowercase album. It's a lowercase album. You know, you think of the you think of the lead single of Lover was me, capital M, capital E, exclamation, exclamation point. point. And this is like folklore. It's like fifteen. All of the titles are lowercase. Yes. <laughs> folklore is lowercase. Yes. The one is no, lowercase. You say like folklore, folklore. <laughs> so this sounds like a new sonic world for Taylor. How did she get here? Well, I think part of it is that she was very intentional in the collaborators that she wanted to work with. And we can hear their influence in framing her songs. So there's a bunch of great folks on this album. But the main producers that are highlighted are Jack Antonoff, who is a longtime collaborator. Oh, yeah. Aaron Dessner from The National, Uh who's actually the majority of the songs. And Bon Iver's Justin Vernon is on here as well. Uh. Just to highlight some of their influence. When you think Jack Antonoff, what do you think? Um, I think blues in the verse, gospel in the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> I get like a lot of big 80s synth vibes. Stuff like 
sure from his work on cruel summer on the last record mm. devils roll the dice angels roll their eyes what doesn't kill me makes me want you more Antonov productions are like epic and yearning at the same time. Mm. I mean, that goes back to We Are Young. Mm. Yeah, there's like, here, this is anthemic, but also a little melancholy. (laughs) And he achieves a lot of that through nostalgic synth programming that's often very forward and in your face. Mm. All of that quality is on folklore, but totally washed out and in the background right where do we get a taste of that new antonoff style i hear it on the song this is me trying huh there's like washed out high synthesizers that merge into strings and saxophones yeah and you have he so often will have a steady bass line that dun 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 which you hear in cruel summer and you also hear in in this song but it's definitely taking a back seat to her mm. voice which is front and center antonoff light yeah yeah i like it so for fans of the national aaron Dessner's influence is very clear on this album One of the Nationals' great tracks is Light Years. Yeah, this reminds me of the first track on Taylor's album, the first track we listened to, the one, this kind of sparse, resonant piano kind of ringing out with a simple melody. I really like on the piano here the sort of little flurry of notes that happens and then recedes. Mm, this like diddly, yeah, diddly. Oh man, there's a word for that, Chuck. What is it? You do it all the time in Chopin. Diddly, it's like a. Why don't we call it a superando? Really? No, I just made that up. I okay. It's highly irresponsible, but just say say diddly every time. We can hear diddly. On Taylor's song, Hoax. Oh, good. My only one My smoking gun My eclipsed sun This has broken me down Mm. Genuinely, I really love... We talked about the sort of intimate quality of this music. Yeah. You can hear the felt and the hammers And even the pedals of the piano in this. Oh, cool, yeah. Like, it's not like you're in the room. It's almost like you are right next to Taylor at the piano hearing every little moment. Right. The creaks and the swooshes and all the little extra noise that usually gets filtered out of a recording, that's all in here all for the imperfections. you to, to just sit in. Yeah, exactly. So there's three main collaborators who are influencing the sound of this record. We also have Bonnie Veris, Justin Vernon, who is featured as a vocalist on the album. But the the connection in the music that I hear is with his song Six Six Six. Mm-hmm. 
just compare that to Taylor's song, Peace. This is a synth pulse that Justin Vernon recorded with some really beautiful bass by Aaron Dessner. pretty absolutely the album cover is taylor in the california woods black and white ansel adamsy kind of thing mm-hmm. she's very small big redwoods all around yeah i think just the sounds that we've heard so far they evoke that mist that california fog kind of quality mm. that i think you and i know so well having lived in northern california yeah So we've got a lineup comprised of luminaries of white male indie rock Hall of Fame here. But I want to know more about Taylor's voice on this album. Like, where do we hear Taylor Swift? I think that's a great question because all of that production work, it really is for me just the sort of frame for her painting, her songwriting. Hmm. And there are so many ways that we can hear clear Taylor identifiers. In our second episode of the show ever, we looked at the oeuvre of Taylor Swift. Do you mean, do you mean the oeuvre? Did you make that word up okay, too? Okay, now say it without rolling your eyes. <laughs> the oeuvre. I can't say it without rolling my eyes. Fair enough. So maybe this episode is the continuation of exactly that. And one of the things we know about Taylor is that she has a certain way of singing melodies, a certain way of constructing her songs that even with the words removed, her signature is all over her work. And we're going to identify that when we come right back from the break. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why Milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. Okay, so out with the Max Martin-style Top 40 pop, in with the indie acoustic vibe. But what makes this consistent with her earlier body of work is how she writes melodies. 
teardrops, single note melodies, <laughs> country melodic phrasing. There are lots of ways that Taylor sings a song that make it uniquely her own. One of the things that we coined a while back was this idea of the tea drop. Mm, yeah. There are certain signatures that she relies yes, on. Yeah. The tea drop being the most identifiable. We can hear it on this record. We. I like to think of it as the Swiftian sigh, but please continue. Here it is. Let's check out her song, Mirrorball. I'm still on that tightrope. I'm still trying everything to get you laughing at me. I'm still a believer, but I don't know why. I've never been a natural. All I do is try, try, try. I'm still on that trapeze. I'm still trying Da, na, na. Do you have a favorite tea drop from the past? Um, I mean, there's, I think, the kind of holy grail, which is you belong with me. On the titular phrase, particularly the word me, you get that D. can't you see? You belong with me. And then... One of the most luscious appearances is in the song State of Grace off Red. There's a lot of them. You could go on and on and on. You're showing off. Okay, so we have one of her signature melodic devices here this kind of lacrimose descending d yeah but then you also dropped something about one note melodies single note melodies tell me more about that i think one of the ways that she likes to build tension in her song is to give you often verse material that just kind of rests on one note you Mm. don't quite know it's gonna go up it's gonna go down yeah kind of just steady the motion is flat. We call that the the telegraph machine. <laughs> and then, you know, it gives you room to go somewhere else in, in the pre-chorus and chorus. Mm-hmm. And uh, she does that on her song here on My Tears Ricochet. That's the same note over and over. That's the same note, but it feels good. I don't even care that it's the same note. Mm. Okay. It's good because the chords are changing, and so it kind of gives that note a different feeling every single time the chords change. The motion is moving. She does this all over the place from her back catalog. An early example would be our song. Shotgun with my hair undone in the front seat of his car. He's got a one hand bail on the steering wheel, the other on my heart. That was one one note song, and it's just one note. And don't even mind, just sing the one note over and over. I don't care, I just get the one note. Sounds so good. Wow! And he says, Our song is a slam and scream door. Yeah, it's effective. 
I think your telegraphing joke actually kind of is on point because oh, yeah. yeah, because it's all about the rhythm, mm. right? Is the you know you know it's there's got to be some interesting rhythmic variation that's going on that's keeping mm. you interested. T drops, single note melodies. What's the other kind of signature Taylorism we get on this record? Even though this is not a country record. There's this certain country style of writing a melody. I don't quite have my thumb on. Okay. But I hear it. See if you can hear what I'm hearing on the song August. I actually think I have my thumb on this one. Okay. It's like, it's the it's the quality of jumping up and down between two different notes where one's like st- staying the same and maybe there's like some variation in the higher note. I hear this all over the place. I actually think I even hear it in You Belong With Me, which you have brought up. Okay. Wake up and find that what you're looking for has been here the whole time. If you could see Um, sure. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not hearing. I, mean, I love it, no. but I'm not hearing it. I don't get the connection or what it has to do with country music. There's a way of like singing a country melody that I can't properly theorize. I do think there's a way of singing country music where you sort of act the lyrics a little bit. Hmm. Like you're telling a story hmm. and you're putting irony and earnestness mm. and all this stuff into the into the performance that in pop music is usually kind of a little flatter and a little more affectless and there's a little more distance between you and the lyrics. Mm. Here it's like you're really, you know, you're an actor and you're like, I'm going to bring these lyrics to life with every kind of scoop and growl and tick in my voice. No, okay. for sure. I mean, it sort of maps on to the narrative quality of country songs. Mm. And these songs are full of narrative. I think we spent a lot of time breaking down sounds and the way in which she constructs her own signatures. Right. But they come together in the songs themselves. Good. This is an album about folklore. These are stories. These are characters. Huh. It's not always clear if it's her, if it's someone else, if it's an amalgamation. And the fun thing is that we get to read into them. So what's a good example of that? I think the best example of just really fun storytelling is the song The Last Great American Dynasty. Hmm. Like a great country song, this is one where we don't end where we begin. Here's how the narrative starts. Sounds like a, a muted piano string at the very top of this. With some 808 drums. So far, new money goes. 
Okay, so the song starts off, and we've got two different characters. We've got Rebecca, and she's on a train. She's riding with Bill, who's an heir to a fortune. And in the song, they go and they buy this house called Holiday House. Hmm. It's in Rhode Island. They throw these great parties. Yes. The public gets very upset. They're a little too rowdy for the Rhode Island crowd. Uh-huh. There's this wonderful story that unfolds about Rebecca and her dynasty that she creates these wild parties that she throws. And when we get two-thirds into the song, we realize that this house has special significance to Taylor Swift. the house wow so there are autobiographical moments in yeah. this record but they're approached through this very narrative dramatic historical lens so it's yeah. like she's giving you little glimpses of herself mm. but through these baroque storytelling devices so like you said at the outset it's both providing insight and then ob- obscuring mm. yeah yeah it's fun this is an amazing song there's a trio of songs on the album that have that same songwriterly approach. It's this love triangle that gets told over three different songs. In Cardigan, we get the first lover's perspective. And when I felt like I was an old cardigan under someone's bed, you put me on and said I was your favorite. so good at taking a piece of clothing, some little object in life, and turning it into a bigger metaphor. She's right. done it with a red scarf in the past. And here we have a <laughs> cardigan that has been dejected, left under the couch, standing in for someone who is one of the two women in this love triangle, hoping to be picked up, yeah. be chosen. Hmm. Okay, I have to point out really quickly that Cardigan has my favorite moment of text painting on the record that really brings to life yet another inanimate object, another piece of clothing. You can catch it right at the very beginning of the song. Vintage tea, brand new phone, high heels on, cobblestones, when you are young. Yes, those are heels on cobblestones. Very nice. Anyway, back to the love triangle. Okay, so where do we go from here? Okay, so then we go to the song August. Yeah. And we find out that there has been a tryst. Ooh. <laughs> Salt air and the rust on your door. I never needed anything more or whispers of are you sure? Okay, so that's from the perspective of someone cheating. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, right. Plot thickens. Actually, this is the quote-unquote other woman song. A perspective that's so often demonized, but Taylor's version is 
quite compassionate to this young woman's desires. Gotcha. Good stuff. Okay. Nice little metaphor so, there. So next song and what inanimate object will represent it. <laughs> I'm not sure there's an inanimate object here, but okay. we do get the conclusion to our story in Betty. Now we get the perspective of the cheater. Betty, I won't make assumptions about why you switched your homeroom, but I think it's because of me. I made a mistake. Betty, one time I was riding on my skateboard when I passed your house. It's like I couldn't breathe. You heard the rumors from Inez. You can't believe a word she says most times, but this time it was true. The worst thing that I ever did was what I did to you. Mm. Whoa, wait, I kind of know what happens next. <laughs> that was so good. Gosh, isn't that the, the power of good songwriting, right? It's like you actually, do, you want you need to keep going. Yeah. Like, what is going to happen? I'm, I'm genuinely mad at you for stopping that. There's, and there's so many sweet <sighs> lines in there, right? It's like you can't trust a word Inez says, except, yeah. well, in this case, actually she's telling the truth. It's a well well constructed song for sure. It really is. And it kind of makes sense that this is placed in that much more sort of folky tradition because it has that quality of like someone sitting on their stairs mm. singing the song to the person being like i'm really sorry i'm trying to make this up to you right and the irony of, is that it takes the most sort of compositional acumen to craft the most direct and simple songs mm. so this is like you know the most impressive though i have to say there's a moment where this becomes entirely unsubtle uh-oh Oh, I showed up at your party. Don't do that. Don't show up at the party. It's not going to work out. Yeah, I showed up at your party. I'm, I'm feeling a lot of suspense here. Very, very anxiety producing. Yeah, I showed up at your party. Will you oh, my goodness. Will you kiss me on the porch in front of all your Wait, this is so good. Wow, a modulation. We changed keys. I didn't see it coming. No. She loves to do this, right? In Love Story about Romeo and Juliet, she does the same thing, modulates up at the end to sort of change the narrative. It's like, actually, we get a happy ending. Everything's good. Don't worry about it. And, you know, like, in some ways, I think that's really fun here because these three songs really do feel like about a like silly youthful tryst of like three young people who are 17. They don't really know how to deal with their own emotions or other people's emotions. Mm. And everything is just like, I'm wearing it out of my sleeve. I made a mistake. Feels like much more innocent. Yeah. Speaking of wearing it all on your sleeve, the cardigan actually comes back at the end under a chord progression that reminds me of the song Sweet Jane. Standing in your cardigan Kissing in my cardigan It's a nice turn of phrase. Cardigan, kissing in the car again. Fairy Taylor. Wow. But as much as I love this crafty trio of songs... It's those more nuanced and delicate songs here that 
really resonate. And you get the sort of more adult perspective of this same issue in her song, Illicit Affairs. Times, and that's the thing about illicit affairs and clandestine meetings and stolen stairs. They show their truth one single time, but they lie and they lie and they lie a million little times. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. So this album quietly covers the gamut of emotional experience from yeah. sort of youthful fumbling to adults knowing Whew, it's think, a lot it's a lot, a lot going on here I think there's like, I think there's a lot of sense of like adult understanding of one's responsibility with someone else's heart damn yeah. dude you just wrote a freaking Hallmark card give that to me again <laughs> it's an adult understanding about our responsibilities of the heart something like Oof, that gosh oh, thank you you know, I just feel like one of the great things about aging and maturation is the deeper places of empathy that we can access mm. and recognize that the way in which we feel is often the way in which other people feel. Yeah. We can all feel put down. We can all feel hurt. We can feel completely and utterly heartbroken. And the way that we act when we're 17 shouldn't be the way that we act when we are looking into getting married, having children, topics that she is also interested in her songs. And you know that I'd swing with you for the fences, sit with you in the trenches, give you my wild, give you a child. Can feel the silence that only comes when two people understand each other Family that I chose now that I see your brother as my brother Is it enough? It's the song Peace. Yeah, lovely. The music is peaceful, but also the sentiment is too, right? This isn't the kind of romance that is that wild Romeo and Juliet story. It's like, is this going to be enough? These are my intentions. I'm putting them out there for you. That's how I feel. Mm. I appreciate that perspective. Yeah, you know, if you'd asked me what should Taylor Swift do next after Lover came out, I would say she should go back to her roots. She should release something that's stripped down and intimate and honest. And I feel like she's done that. It doesn't surprise me that everyone is listening and dissecting this record together. It almost feels like a national holiday. <laughs> it's a really compelling step in the journey of an artist who, like you said, has been there with us from the very beginning. So I'm excited to listen to Folklore more. Switch on Pop is produced by Bridget Armstrong, Megan Lubin, Nate Sloan, and me, Charlie Harding. Our executive producers are Liz Kelly Nelson and Nishat Kurwa. We're mix edited and engineered by Brandon McFarland. Mm. Illustrations by Iris Gottlieb and social media by Abby Barr. You can find more episodes of our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we love hearing from you. Reach out to us at Switched on Pop. Uh, we're proud members of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Let us know if you find any tea drops, <laughs> any single note melodies, any country cadences in this uh, album. Remember, da da da. That's what we're that's what we're looking for. Thank you, yeah. Professor. And what else? I don't know. We'll be back next week. Cool. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.
there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running. (laughs) But they choose to do it. In the new docu-series, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.